When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Buzz! 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 Welcome into whatever edition of At The Buzzer, which is a Ralphie Report podcast, as it always is, um, that covers... Everything you need to know about Colorado athletics, as always. Um, I'll call it whatever edition because I'm going to stop calling them special editions if we just keep doing them all the time. But damn it, this is a fun time to talk about CU, and I'm not going to miss the boat. Um, so we are back again. I don't even know, like 36 hours, not even 36 hours after Deion Sanders' press conference, and things have moved extremely quickly um, as Coach Prime has become the official head coach of your Colorado Buffaloes. Um, last time on, we had Chase Howell and Jake Shapiro, both returning guests to the Ralphie Report. We were bringing back, I believe, another returning guest to the Ralphie, um, to at the buzzer. Our really good friend, the ghost of Marv himself, we have Ted. Welcome back, Ted. How are you? Hey, Jack. You know, it's always special to get a chance to talk about the buff <laughs> with you. So it's a special edition for me, I actually don't <laughs> believe I've been on the podcast before, but I am a proud Ralphie Report alum, mm-hmm. and uh, we've talked in person, so to talk over this medium is great, especially under these auspicious circumstances. I, uh, I Can we swear on this? Yes. Uh, so, like, I woke up this morning with what felt like sort of, like, post-nut clarity, <laughs> and I was a little anxious like oh my god now we actually have to see can he assemble uh-huh. staff are the people actually gonna hit the portal and come play for him is any of these things going to really actually happen mm-hmm. and we're recording this in the evening and it's been a hell of a day <laughs> and i am fully erect once again <laughs> ready to come some more we coming baby there it is yeah Deion sanders is short shortening refractory periods everywhere um 
we were trying to do an opinion piece. We still are trying to do like I think whatever you want to call that piece on Ralph Report. Um, but one of the reasons we haven't is because like literally 30 minutes after Deion Sanders was hired, what I would consider the gold standard of think pieces dropped with what I would also consider the gold standard of titles. Um, so this would obviously be yours, Ted's, um, at dnvr.com. We have, I love this title, Dion X Machina, which, oh my God, you can't beat it. Um, and that's that's over, like I said, our good friend Ted, published by our other good friend, Ryan Koningsberg at DNVR. Um, and I'm getting once, back together with all, I'm getting back together with all my yes. alma maters but, extended weekend. People are saying, people are saying that uh, the most important thing isn't Dion returning to CU to call up to uh, football glory. It's it's getting everyone who was in school for the early 2010s um, excited again. So that's what people are saying, not me. Yeah, um, <laughs> so, yes, anyone who's listening, also, please read Dion X Machina on dmvr.com. Um, as Ted mentioned, Herculean effort to get that under a thousand words. Truly, um, I can't. Well, that online, wasn't, so. It actually wasn't an edict from them. I just, I just never seem to be able to. Like, I'm so overwrought with my writing style that they always end up being in the multiple thousands of words. And I was just yeah. sort of amazed that it ended up at 986 words or whatever. <laughs> but thank you. You, I said this before, but you paid me the nicest compliment I've ever gotten about anything I've ever done back in. Way back in like 2016, actually, I think it was after we lost the Pac-12 championship, and I wrote something. Uh, that was for DNVR when it was BSN, and it just um, I appreciate it very much. Okay, I remember you talked about it, and I still don't remember the compliment. But um, you said I, I wish I could control anything in my life the way <laughs> words, and that made me. It's made me happy for six years, actually. It's hey. an incredibly nice thing to say to a person. Well, you know, um, it, it, I think I only say it when it's true. And it's, I would say, given the life c- control I have right now, um, it's still true um, as, as the words are still good. And I am still refreshing incessantly when I should be um, doing other things, but like, you know, uh, working. Um, so oh, I was going to say, I missed, <laughs> I missed about an hour of Dion news because sorry, prime news. He doesn't like it when we call him. That's exactly story. right. Uh don't want to get uh, called out here, but we, I missed about an hour of that because I got pulled into something at work really late in the day, actually after I was supposed to have already started recording this with you. So mm-hmm. you told me something has just happened. Rittenberg had a tweet. What has happened? Yes. So, um, yeah, let's, let's start there. So, um, earlier today we got incredible, like, seriously, I'm not kidding. Like one of the the most elated I've felt since Deion Sanders actually announced, which is like, you know, 48 hours ago, but a whole lifetime ago, um, we got that sort of news about our offensive coordinator hire, which I'll get to in a second. But Adam Rittenberg also, um, like I mentioned, just confirmed a few other hires as well. Um, so let's go through that. Yeah. So Adam Rittenberg just put out a tweet that um, Ray Forsett, who is on um, who's basically like a prep coach who's also part of the Jackson State Advisory Board is coming on to help in the off-field role as well as a guy named David Kelly. Um, so Ray Forsett was a Jackson State and like prep high school guy before this. Um, David Kelly was Willie Taggart's chief of staff at um, Oregon, Florida State, FAU, anywhere Willie Taggart's been, this guy David Kelly has been. Um, and both of them are joining this the the coach prime CU staff in some capacity, um, which is good news for Florida recruiting, as well as Willie Taggart himself in some capacity is joining Coach Prime's coaching staff. 
Um, we Isn't know it's not. Like, and, this guy was a coach of, of Oregon, and he left yeah. Oregon in the dust, and now he's going to be, like, Dion's going to run the Knicks, the next Nick Saban, like, <laughs> home for rehabilitating former head coaches. It's unbelievable. Yeah, um, just, you know, all I'm going to say is nine days ago, CU finished a 1-11 season with an interim head coach. Um Mike Sanford, who was at the new head coach's press conference, by the way, which still blows my mind. Um, and we were, were and I was personally excited for the potential of a Bronco Mendenhall hire or even a Jeff Grimes hire. And I was still okay with that. I still think that would be okay. Um, and now we're talking about Coach Prime literally getting a guy in this and like, and not even a coordinator position, an assistant coach position who was a Pac 12 head coach five, six years ago. Like, you know, Willie Taggart also had a huge part in that in his precipitous downfall, but that's still like pretty big difference in perception and swagger. Well, let's talk and, about current yeah. head. Let's let's move on to the thing that made you so happy and everybody <laughs> so happy. Getting current head coaches. That's right. Like that's what right. The fuck are we <laughs> okay. doing here? Yeah, don't bury the lead, Jack. That's good. Yeah. So, current head coach of the Golden Kent State Golden Flashes, proud home Antonio Gates. Sean Lewis is the current head coach, and he apparently has agreed to be the offensive coordinator for the Colorado Buffaloes, which is, um, like you said, I, in my opinion, was absolutely miraculous. We've heard some interesting names. Yesterday, I was convinced it would be Eric Morris, who is Wazoo's current offensive coordinator. Still a great pull. He was rumored by a few different NFL guys. And then somehow that was vaulted by a... <laughs> by one of the best young offensive head coaches in the country who CU is buying out of a contract. That's right. CU is buying a coordinator, a offensive coordinator out of his current contract to come put coach for coach prime buying um, a head coach out of his current contract yes. to be their coordinator. Like let's just, yep. They're the Colorado Buffaloes. <laughs> uh, that, yes. that one in Boulder are yes. buying out a currently employed head coach <laughs> of a college football team to come and be yep. a coordinator. I, I was saying this on the phone earlier today. Coordinator. Three years ago, Mel Tucker left for Michigan State and gave CU $3 million back. And this year, CU is paying a head coach a million dollars to get out of his current job and come be the coordinator for a different head coach. It's, it, crazy shit's going on. I don't know. It, it's wild. Um, and and I love that Rick George is like, yeah, just put it all on the credit card. Yeah. <laughs> figure it out which is the totally that's totally the attitude that has been needed yeah all you got to all you got to do is show that you're investing you know in the future which yep. they've shown that and now the donations and the ticket sales are gonna come rolling in those tickets are going to be <laughs> more expensive than they've ever been next year and they're going to be harder to find than they have been since i would say 1996 in 2001 it was not hard to find tickets until the last game against nebraska in yeah. 2016 it wasn't hard to find tickets until the last game against utah cu has not been at a level where they were selling out or nearly selling out every game since about the first two years of new heisel before he threw the whole thing into the ground it's not something we've seen here in a generation so they're going to make a a lot of money yeah, a lot of money, and they're going to be able to pay these contracts. It's unbelievable. But Rick's putting it all on the credit card, and I love that energy. 
Yeah, you know, we're pinballing around different topics, which is good. But um, I was thinking about this yesterday, too. I, I feel you mentioned 2016, which had the same amount of sellouts, I believe, at game time that this 2022 season did, which is just the same. Um, I, I think they both only had one, We didn't right? sell out a game. We didn't sell out a game this year. Okay. Cal was over 50K announced, but there were plenty of unsold. It didn't sell out. Okay. Well, then never mind. Um, but 2016 Still, we only had one, one sellout. We only yeah. had one sellout in 2016. Which is... Still insane. And um, like you mentioned, 2001, also not like incredible in terms of groundswell of like local ticket support. Um, And even throughout a lot of the 90s, people have mentioned this before as like, you know, Bill McCartney is partially such a unicorn because there still wasn't like there was sellouts, but it wasn't fever pitch like you see other places from time to time. Um, Sean Salam's 2000 yard game had 5000 empty seats because it was cold. And they weren't national title contenders anymore. And it was Thanksgiving break and it was Iowa State. And there's always excuses around CU. But that tells you all you need to know. So you say that there's always excuses around CU, which I agree, always in ski season or whatever, blah, blah, blah. But when I was thinking about the past 24 hours, you might disagree. um, But with someone like Coach Prime, obviously you're you're getting reach with him. Um, And just uh, this is... I guess kind of a weird thought, but like, just do you feel, I feel like the growth in the state of Colorado's population represents a pretty big latent opportunity. Um, And I feel like coach prime Deion Sanders is one of very few draws that may actually be able to tap into some of that latent opportunity. People talk about how there's a lot of transients or not transients, what do you want to call it? Like, people who come in from other colleges and settle out Endeavor in Colorado. So they already have rooting interests elsewhere. And I think that's partially true, but I also feel like it's a lot of casual event fans that go to Rocket game because there are events and go to Broncos games because there are events and that's it. Not necessarily because they are fans of that sport, if that makes sense. Um, I think that this is one of the few hires CU could make that makes those fall Saturdays in Boulder, which to us are already magical something that's attractive to someone who has no connection to University of Colorado, but now is like, well, shit, I got to go see Coach Prime. I got to go see Coach Prime now. I feel like there is a huge latent opportunity there that wasn't there even when CU was at its best, but I don't know. I feel like it's the, the he's the only buyer that could have done that. Yeah. I, don't, I can't think of anybody else that would just be. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. A draw. And even a really famous coach, if they had gotten Nick Saban, I can't think of as many people that would show up just to see what was going to happen. Because this guy has managed in almost two decades of not being a player (laughs) to somehow maintain this incredibly high public profile through the sheer magnetism of his personality. Yep. And I remember when I worked at NFL Network, he had a show. And all of these current NFL players at the time were like starstruck to be on with him and his like 
segment he would do where he would give a call to somebody every week uh, who had been a top performer. And the guy is just more, I look, he hosted Saturday night live. How many college football or NFL coaches have hosted Saturday night live? I, it's like a different level of fame from anything we're used to, or really any fan base is used to. There's a bona fide celebrity, uh, not even just a sports celebrity. People know who this guy is. It's really remarkable. So while we're pinballing around these topics, I do want to ask you this question, which I think is fun for me to ask and also to talk about a little bit more. But, um, you know, we Chase and, and Jake, who I talked to yesterday, were both in the room when it happened. Um, but I watch it live. I'm sure you've seen it now as well. Um, how, what did you take away from that Deion Sanders press conference? Or And and if you watch any of the other videos, like his address to the team, like what – you said he's a celebrity. I agree with that. And you said he's magnetic. I agree with that too. But did that, did you think that before the press conference and it was confirmed or if you were like me, you thought that before the press conference and you were like, Oh no shit. Like he like, it's more than that, <laughs> which was basically what happened. When I watched it. I, I would say that I had never seen him talk about my school and my yeah. football program that way. Yeah. So in that sense, it was different. So it was amazing to see, on his first day on the job, how committed he already seemed and how determined he seemed to be to pretty much, I feel a big component of this is prove Auburn and like every other school in the South that didn't hire him wrong. Like, I think that's a big component. Like he's got a massive chip on his shoulder because of the fact that he wasn't considered for any other jobs and he's here and he's like, well, Maybe this was not where I thought I was going to end up or it wouldn't have been on the top of my list, but I've been here for a couple hours and it seems like these people worship me as some sort of God and these facilities seem nice and they seem to have money or they set, they tell me that they're about to have money. <laughs> and um, if we win 11 games, we're going to be in the college football playoffs. So let's fucking go. I think that was his thought process. And I think he thinks he can win 11 games or 12 games at at Colorado. I don't know if he can, but he thinks he can. And by God, I love that. I would say (laughs) the address to the team is a whole other animal. I love that he's my coach, but I don't know that I would love him if I was a member of the 2022 Colorado Buffaloes, unless I was more mentally tough and better at football (laughs) than I am. Because I would be like, man, this guy doesn't care about me. He just wants to get his guys in here which is partially probably true. Yeah, I agree. There are some guys in there who are going to take it as a challenge and are going to be able to stick it out. But from what I've read, that's not too dissimilar from the opening speeches that a lot of coaches have given when they've taken over at new schools. However, the difference is those don't become like the number six trending video on all of YouTube with over a million views in less than 24 hours. So I feel bad for those kids yeah. in that respect. No, but they didn't ask by coming to a team meeting to be uh, shat on by a, the coach and then the entire internet calling them soft and a bunch of losers and basically saying they're expendable now because we have shinier new ones coming in. So I feel bad for the kids, but if we say we want to win and this is college football in the year 2022, you're not going to win the way Mike McIntyre won in 2016 by building up a group of 
guys with pretty average, you know, recruiting rankings, keeping them together for three years of losing and bonding over their shared suffering and then having this big heartwarming triumph. That narrative doesn't seem possible anymore in 2022. If you want to win and you want to win big, this is the way to do it. And if we say that that's what we want, then there's going to be some hurt feelings along the way and we sort of have to go along with it. But I feel bad for the people whose feelings are are getting hurt and whose careers at Colorado were going to be coming to an end earlier than they thought. Okay. I, I think that's a very fair take. Um, like you said, it's been, it's unique. It's it, it, it literally unique as in no other program has ever had the coaches intro team meeting broadcast um and for a group of guys who have gone through some guys have gone through mcintyre mel tucker durrell and now prime like that is shell shocking i'm sure and i think you see that like in the video like that is i cannot think of a more different energy than carl durrell than what we saw in that video um so in some ways i think it is unfair for the players we put on that stage at that time. Um, The other side of that is I am still uh, a fan of the Colorado Buffaloes and seeing that after what I saw this year on the field, I'm like, okay, well, I mean, let's get some guys in then. Like, let's get some guys in. Um, And I think we have the right coach who can get guys in um, that aren't, that are what he wants to be um, or what he wants them to be. I should say. So oh, I agree. I mean, I, I totally agree with you. It's just if I'd been through all these coaching changes and I'm expecting maybe a guy to come in here and, and fire me up about things are going to turn exactly. around. Exactly. Yeah. I need to jump in the portal and I'm going to try to make you quit. Some guys will respond to that, but uh, I think he's going to be bringing in a very different personality of player than um, the sort of would be um, old sage personality of Carl Durrell brought in. Yes. It's like uh, he, uh, Dion's not Rick Neuheisel. He's not going to play the guitar around a campfire with <laughs> these guys. This is going to be basically like a military boot camp, and, and he's the drill sergeant, and he's going to break them down before he builds them up, except for the fact that there's a lot of guys that are going to get broke down by that and maybe get built up somewhere else, but he's not going to be the one to build them up. So we didn't see any of the building up in there. It was all breaking down, and it was it was hard to watch. Um if you're some, if you're an empathetic person, <laughs> you care about winning at all costs, then you're like, fuck yeah. But uh, I guess I'm a, you know, I'm a tree hugging uh, liberal snowflake. So I did feel for the players a little bit because whether or not any of them didn't live up to their potential, I can guarantee you that they they tried and that they thought that their experience was going to be so, very different. Than yeah. they ended up having. That's, that's where I, I feel really bad for them because it's, it's, just speaks to the failure of this university, really, in my opinion, of like making sure that thing doesn't happen until now. Like, I don't know. It's just total whiplash, which is unfair to the players. And part of that is just because of the way that the university, I guess, did not decide to support athletics the way we want them and need them to until like 10 days ago. Um, and also the way that other coaches have pre- not prepared them <laughs> for the level of competition that we are in. So, um, yeah, that's true. It, like I it hurts for them because like, it's like, it's not their fault. It's really yeah. not the, those guys' fault. It's never a guy's fault. If he's not like a power five, whatever you want to call that player. And someone recruits him like that. How is that? It's not the player's fault, but 
they are coming in, they are going to be treated as if it is, which is hard. Yeah. He basically said that it's their fault that the, you got facilities this nice and you lost. So it must be your fault. It's like more, it's more of the fault. You got facilities that are this nice and you had coaches that couldn't recruit yeah. anybody better. But now it's like, it's like when people call a crowd pathetic, when they're mean, the people who didn't show up are pathetic at a game and they take pictures of all the empty seats. It's like, you're blaming the people who did show up. I don't know. Uh, it's not exactly like that, but anyway, um, so call me, uh, call me a, a liberal cuck if you want, but uh, <laughs> I, I had a hard time watching that video, but uh, so, I'm glad he's a coach, but I wouldn't want him coaching me because I'm way too sensitive of, and that's why I didn't make it in team sports. <laughs> I will say, I guess on the other side of that, I did not have a hard time watching that team video and I've watched it a few times now, um, which I guess speaks to my lack of sensitivity, but I, you, I feel empathetic for the players, but I'm also... I don't know. Fan, I'm, I'm a fan, and it's hard for me to not feel excited when my new head coach is saying what I've said for two years, which is like, this is not good enough. But, you know, he actually has like authority and the ability to change it. So in right. that way, I'm thinking like, hell yeah, it's not good enough. Let's rock. Um, I would rather watch the press conference and get the what's supposed to be the public face yes. of the young Sanders coach prime. But because he is who he is. We are going to see everything, warts and all, which is going to be really interesting. I mean, probably not warts and all, but we're going to see (laughs) way more than we've ever seen from anybody who's ever been in here. And it's going to be like an overdose. I feel like this has been an overdose of content. I actually had to unfollow him on Instagram because there were just too many things coming out. I was like, look, I'll I'll just see what the football account posts. (laughs) From him, and then maybe I'll check in every few days because I can't even keep up with it. It's yeah. totally the opposite from before, where practices were not even open to the media, and we all know about that. And blah blah blah. Adam Mustachiger has been to two open practices in his time covering the team. I don't think that's going to be an issue moving forward. So once again, hell yeah, Adam, get that, get that, get that paper. Um, yeah, Adam, man, his subs are going to be like they are. They days. already are, dude. Um, and good for him. He does great work, and to see it. And all the rest of us get actually like some sort of whatever you want to call this karmic justice for yeah. no interest for the last 10 years is but it's is like great. his livelihood. Like I yes. think that's the difference yeah. from him and a lot of us. Yeah, exactly. It depends on subscriptions and subscriptions and stuff. Um I do want to say I hope that people like John Snelson and some of the other really talented folks there get retained and that it's not a wholesale clearing out to bring his people in because I would say that those are people in the university who deserve to benefit from this, who are true buffs and who've suffered through all of this. Yeah. I don't think anyone he could find would be better than Snelson. So I would be very <laughs> disappointed if Snelson leaves because he is, in my opinion, the guy you want making videos selling this program now that you actually have something, have to, something sell. to sell. Yeah. The way that he's talking about it makes it seem like it's less of he's going to bring in his own guys and more of he brought in his own guy, which happens to be his son. Um, and the way he's talking about it is by he, I mean, coach prime is that the fact that his son has a whole team to help him as opposed to Jackson state, where it was Deion Sanders jr. Was the team, um, is looking at, he's looking at that as a positive, as opposed to bringing in a team he has ready made. So there might be changes. I'm not expecting there to be no, no changes, but I think Deion Sanders is also smart enough to realize, as you said, that. John Snelson knows what the hell he's doing. Um, and if John Snelson is open to working with Deion Sanders Jr., then he has a job. I think that's pretty much what it is. Yeah. 
Well, I got to say, uh, Shadur seemed interested in whatever camera they had in the ele- in the elevator. And I don't know if you watched the facilities tour, but I did. Um, that was kind of a neat little exchange. Um, I lost my train of thought for a second. So, you know, you can ramble if you want to touch on something else. Well, so we've gotten through a bunch of different topics now, which is fun. That's what we want to do. So, um, I don't know. It's it's been a crazy twenty four hours, like we talked about. I do want to get back. I don't even know if we said the name of the offensive coordinator, but I do want to get back to how insane it is that we are now recording after CU Post a sitting head coach, a D one head coach as his offensive coordinator. Um, I think I'll just dive right into who Sean Lewis is. Um, Please do because I don't know nearly as much as you do. <laughs> so I I spent like the last hour watching videos breaking down his offense. Um, so I'm I'm primed and ready. There's your first primed. Um, this is the second one, actually. <laughs> so, um, Sean Lewis was the head coach of the Kent State Golden Flashes. He came to Kent State from Syracuse, where he was the co-offensive coordinator as a 27-year-old, 28-year-old, 29-year-old, I think, and also was the quarterback's coach McVay? today. My God. What's up? That is this guy's last name, secretly McVeigh. My God. <laughs> I, the other fun I've seen that I really enjoy is when, is when Deion Sanders told the players, uh, I got luggage and it's Lewis. This is what he meant by Lewis, is Sean Lewis. He said, no, he said Louis, but, you know, I'll take it. There you go. Um, yeah, so Sean Lewis was at Syracuse. Before that, he was at Bowling Green. And before that, he was at a few different spots. He played at Wisconsin as a tight end, and he has a tight end build. He's like 6'5", 220, magnificent beard. Um, he is now after five years as a head coach, just turning 37. So he is still a absolute young buck. The reason he's leaving Kent state is his salary is only $500,000 and, um, they are one of the cheaper programs in the Mac, if not the FBS as a whole, he was up for a lot of different power five promotions this year. You may recognize his name because he was on a, he was on a shit ton of CU head coach hot boards. Back I was going we to bring, we bring that up. How insane it is that a guy that I, if you go back and read the threads, yeah. there's guys that were advocating for him being a good option as our head coach. Rightfully so. Rightfully so. No, but it's a, just, just ridiculous to think yes. about the embarrassment of riches we have. All yes. Of a sudden. He was an early name for uh, uh, Wisconsin if they didn't go with Leonard because he played there. Um, he was a finalist for the Cincinnati job from everything we know, which is a power five job. So like this dude's legit. That's a good one um, compared to us, or so everyone well, say last week. We are yeah, good yeah exactly. Yeah, I don't know about the I don't know about their ceiling compared to CU's. They ceiling. and they just announced their overall staff pool, which is actually slightly worse than CU's. So um, I was shocked by that. But anyways, um, yeah. So Sean Lewis, legit. Um, at Kent State, he was a plus recruiter. Will continue to probably be a plus recruiter because he has like a million more resources now, and also is a good coach. He is in charge of the offensive scheme at Kent State, and that's a big deal because Kent State consistently punches way above their weight, especially on the offensive side of the ball. So they are known under Sean they Lewis. They Georgia a game this year. They get they scored, I believe, still maybe not still, but they scored the most points on Georgia this year, at least at the first half of the season. Um, and that is nothing new for them. So under Sean Lewis, they were known as like an anytime, anywhere, any place program because of their money struggles. He would take a lot of what they would call body bag games and get his team ready. Um, so as a reference, his fo- the football schedule this year for Kent State, as I'm pulling it up, was on the road at Washington first first week, on the road at Oklahoma, 
second week, and then on the road at Georgia, fourth week, with a game against the Long Island University Sharks, go Sharks, in between there. That's even harder than our our non-conference schedule this year. (laughs) Yes, and they are Kent State, um, which still probably might have more talent than we did this year, but I digress. I I, I think we would have lost straight up. Probably, yeah. So uh, they took a step back-ish on on offense this week, this year, but they had a bunch of quarterback injuries, which is an especially big deal for Kent State because of how their offense runs. Pro transition, Jack. Here we go. So um, their offense runs, in my opinion, it is just perfectly suited for altitude, um, which is good. So they are a fast offense. They push the pace all the time. Average play per game is always pretty high for them. They call it flash fast because they're the golden flashes. But um, in general, really quick, no huddle offense, smaller playbook. Um, that is, might sound familiar. I mean, Darren Schifferini was an OC with that same charge um, while he was in Boulder. This is going to be slightly different than that. And that's what I mean by this is perfectly suited for altitude. So Kent State this year averaged over 200 yards rushing and slightly over 200 yards passing. Um, they are extremely balanced and we will run the ball. Did we have What's any it? one game where we had 200 yards rushing and 200 yards passing? I don't think we did. Anyway, That's a good keep... question. I don't think so either because Cal, maybe Arizona State was our best offensive game, but I don't think Keep going. Did. I'm going to look this up. Okay. So, um, yeah, Kent State basically is a, it, it, it preaches balance all the time, and they run the ball a lot. Um, he uses a lot of concepts from what used to be the artist formerly known as the Bryles offense, AKA the Baylor offense. So, um, a lot of like spread you out and then power run you, um, which when I'm talking about suited for altitude, that's the stuff I'm talking about where they're making teams run laterally a lot. And they're also making teams get pushed on a lot. Um, and I think if you can pull it off, which Sean Lewis in general through his career has pretty much pulled it off. Um, that means you're making teams run a lot, run against you a lot of plays, move laterally a lot, and also get leaned on the entire game. Um, and I have to imagine 60 minutes when you're not used to the altitude. By that fourth quarter, when you're running side to side, you're getting pushed up by OL that are in the second level, and you're getting, you know, that's like your 90th snap that you're playing on defense. That's going to make you burn. Like, that's not going to be fun. Um, and that's part of the reason why I'm so excited is I feel like Sean Lewis, obviously number one, Poaching an established head coach as an offensive coordinator is a huge win, especially for a team that people forget was one and eleven as of nine days ago. One and eleven nine days ago, and we are and, poaching a sitting FBS head coach as our offensive coordinator. And um, ten of the eleven were by twenty three points. Twenty three points. The third best wins time. Uh, third best game CU played this year was a twenty three point loss. Yes. Um, I so mean, like at least. I don't want to say at least in 2012, but at least in 2012, there was like two games that they (laughs) won. One of them was against an FCS school, but still. I will uh, say, I think the schedule is much harder than 2012s, but yes. Yeah. um, This was a, yeah, this year, I mean, my God, it ended up being a a tough schedule, but I think he's definitely going to have the personnel to make the offense he wants to run work part of the problem i think at cu has been trying to go laterally when we didn't have the speed to get out on the edge and around the corner fast enough in that cheverini offense 
And uh, I don't think that there's going to be personnel problems. I think the operator of that offense might have also been a problem for some of that. But yes. Maybe. (laughs) I I can see us having some players with whom a jet sweep might actually go for a positive game. Maybe. Don't talk smack about our favorite walk-on, Jack Hesitera, this year, okay? Fly sweep God. Um, But... So I don't mean to be mean to anybody. I'm just saying, put people in positions to succeed. No, you're totally right. And that's, that's part of what Sean Lewis's offense is. So when I, when I talk about the acute quarterback injuries being specifically hard for Sean Lewis's offense, what I mean is it is truly like a lot of Bryles concepts. And I got to stop calling it that, but a lot of 2012 to 2015. Should not be named concept. I, well, yeah. So I I guess, what do you want to call it? RG3 concepts. Yeah. So, a lot of those concepts are the, the modernized, what people call the modernized triple option concepts, right? Where um, there's going to be two different options that a quarterback makes pretty early on in the in the the play, but those options aren't looking like the Air Force, Navy line up eight million people in the backfield and like have a have a dive and a run. So they're going to be shot. It's it's shotgun. It's shotgun or pistol most of the time. And almost every play starts with a mesh point with the running back. Almost every play is going to have a mesh point with the running back. So I guess I don't know how brainy or nerdy or whatever that term is, but like that means every play is going to be a weird play action bit in there. That might actually just be a run. Um, And they're reading that, that edge defender to see if he crashes on the run. If not, then they're going to go a different way. So that's the first option. The weird triple option part of this offense is usually like a quick screen throw or some sort of hitch throw that exists as what would be a former pitch in a triple option offense, right? That is just now a quick forward pass. Mm -hmm. So um, at at Kent State, they have a really, they do, they did have a really good receiver that is now in the transfer portal, who's a four-star wide receiver. I wonder where he's going to go. That He makes the right decision. (laughs) I wonder if he's going to go follow his former head coach and also Dion goddamn Sanders. Um, we'll see. But regardless, I didn't know that was his middle name. <laughs> I have a lot of them, depending on which profanity I, I, I choose in the moment. Um, I've already said some things on this podcast. But yeah. yeah. Uh, so but, it, I'm excited by you telling me about this offense, by the way, because I'm you're explaining it very well. So keep going. That That is like the the essence of whatever they want to call the modern triple option in that part. His I don't know about twist is the right word, but like at Kent State, they also run like zone running concepts. So they do some power stuff, which is like, you know, straight man on man. They have a guard that pulls their classic Vince Lombardi, like, you know, pull the guard, toss the ball out, go nuts. Um, But they also have some interesting zone read stuff, which like, I don't know, man. It It just leads to like the quarterback making a lot of decisions and the, basically the players having a lot of freedom. So um, here's my token tab Boyle mentioned on every podcast, but similar to tab Boyle allowing his point guards for better or worse to pretty much run the offense. Um, not a lot of input from tab Boyle about like he'll, he'll call plays every once in a while, but it's on the point guard. Cause when it goes really well, it goes really well. And when it goes bad, it goes bad. Um, we don't have to talk about it. Um, yeah, and, and maybe Washington at the end of the game, but who cares? So, anyways, yeah, the, like when it I was, goes back, it, I was not watching back. that Washington game. I had other things on my mind. <laughs> I was actually at a brunch screening of the holiday, but um, hey, nice. So, same thing when the quarterback is dialed in and knows the offense and knows the personnel, and there's been this um, familiarity with the receivers and the running back where they kind of know what the quarterback's reading as well. 
this offense works amazingly. So Sean Lewis had a quarterback named Dustin Crum that ran it really well. He had enough legs to be dangerous. He knew where the ball went, and they were humming. That's like the last few years. They just destroy teams in the MAC because the, the right quarterback making the reads, it's literally impossible to stop this offense because they're making the right reads 80% of the time. They're getting first downs 80% of the time. Because the quarterback is making two reads almost every play. When it goes bad, is this year when they have telling me that Brendan Lewis could not run this offense? Could not run this offense. I, I will say what Jake and Chase said when they asked me about Brendan Lewis as well, which is the our prepared statement of Rafi Report continues to be a Brendan Lewis podcast. Um, yes. So, um, yes. I'll, I'll just say this that um, the one thing that I can see really throwing a fly in the ointment next year is if Shadur Sanders struggles at all. Hurt. Yep. Yep. Because he's the coach's son. And yep. here we go again in Boulder yep. with coaches, son, at quarterback. And also, what quarterbacks are we going to have on that depth chart? If not many. Because no one wants to come here to play quarterback next year because they know they're not going to start. Not many. Yes. So that's, that's something that scares the hell out of me. They've got to keep him healthy. And we've got to hope he's good at this level. We know he's good, but we've got to hope he's good at this level. Yeah, I totally agree with you. Um, but I will also say, watching a little bit more of Sean Lewis's Kent State offense, he is the type of quarterback that will absolutely excel if he's on the same page as Sean Lewis. Like, this is putting a lot of trust in Shador Sanders to make the right plays and be able to throw the right throws. And from everything we've seen with Shador Sanders, he can do both of those things. Um, so for everything I've seen at Jackson State – just watching some of his games, like he is a good decision maker. He has high accuracy. He doesn't make a lot of mistakes and he can't get the ball to places. He's actually wanting to throw the ball relatively easily and quickly. That's two things I will say that is not something we've been meeting here for a long time. Yeah, I was about to say two things that even at Cepho's best, which I love Cepho, but even at Cepho's best, that was not consistent. Those are two things that did not happen all the time. Um, with, with, uh, with what Steve I, football either who at his best could be incredible. But right. not consistently. But not consistently. I think Shador Sanders can do a lot of that consistently. And I think he and also Dion is going to enjoy the fact that Shador Sanders is basically dictating the play almost every time. So there's play calls and there's certain reads and stuff. But a lot of it is like the quarterback decides what happens in the play almost every time he gets to the, the line of scrimmage in this offense. And that can be to the wrong person, like terrifying. Um, but I think that can be to someone like Shador Sanders, like completely freeing. And that allows him to be even more of what he can be at CU. Um, so extremely long rant. And I'm sure you've had the uh, the amount, like any sort of rushing passing game you had, you were looking up for CU 10 minutes ago. But the long and short of it is for me, I'm extremely excited that Sean Lewis is the higher incredible pedigree plus recruiter plus coach known offensive quantity and the offense he's bringing to Boulder fits to Sanders extremely well. And like you mentioned, Deion Sanders, coach prime is not going to have any trouble getting playmakers in space. There's going to be playmakers and they're going to be in space. I, I feel like we're all in space. Like we're on some, I went and saw Solaris last night. I feel like we're in some other, some other planet right now. I don't really know how to react to all of this. It's like, I posted this today. If we win and we win big, it's going to be an incredible rush, but we're a little familiar with a little bit of what that feels like from 2016. We know what that feels like. People Mm -hmm. who are older know even more about what that feels like. Mm -hmm. I don't know that there's ever been 
something quite like this where somehow everything has been rolling downhill and then the gravity inverts and everything starts rolling back up the hill yeah. this quickly to go from the outhouse to the penthouse, as they say, <laughs> in this amount of time, and just to see the dominoes start to fall and having fans of other schools literally saying, we're all fucked, Dion is coming for us. I, it's like, I don't, I feel like I'm the frog and I just got turned into a beautiful prince. I don't know. <laughs> I feel like we all feel like that. And it's just an amazing, warm and fuzzy feeling that we're unaccustomed to. Yeah. And I hope that, I hope that it lasts, but it's going to be the most fun off season. Oh yeah. In Colorado football history. Oh yeah. So um, like I mentioned, like we mentioned earlier during like 20 minutes before recording this, Adam Regenberg did say Willie Taggart, also joining the staff on the offensive side of the ball at some place. Some people have said like it's off field. Some people have said that he's an assistant coach for the running backs. We shall see. He was a running backs coach at Stanford when Jim Harbaugh was there. So there is some that would make some sense, but we don't know. Um, and rounding out some of the rest of the staff that we know. So Andre Hart is uh, one of Deion Sanders' right-hand men. He will coach linebackers. We talked a little bit about him yesterday. I, I, I mentioned, I guess, most of these names yesterday, but the, the main new one is Sean Lewis. And Sean Lewis's offensive line coach is also joining him in Boulder as the offensive line coach in Boulder. Um, his name is Bill O'Byrne. And, Ted, if you look up – well, hold on. Let me make sure that's correct. But if you look him up, he has – just imagining him next to a guy like Coach Prime on the sideline is incredible for me. Um, How do you spell his last name? I think I messed it up. I'm so sorry. Uh, it's Bill O something. Can I look it up in time? No, I suck. This is great audio. Um, this is why you need to edit your shows. This is what I've told you before we started. <laughs> um, okay, I got this. It is so, Bill O'Boyle. It is Bill O'Boyle. It's Boyle. Bill O'Boyle, and it's spelled like a, a uh, an, an Irish name. Oh, we got, we're going to have Coach O'Boyle on yes. campus? Yes, we will, baby. That, look, they got to take that. a photo at some point. Look at that stash, boys. Look at that stash. That man next to Dion? What are we doing here? Sorry, Coach Prime. Sorry. Don't, Wait don't a minute. You, th- you mean to tell me they got that guy? Hell yeah. I, I've seen that mustache. So Bill O'Boyle comes to CU, like I mentioned, from Kent State. He has been the offensive line coach at Kent State since 2018. Um, He made his bones as a D2 coach of the year. Um, He was the head coach at Chadron State in Chadron, Nebraska from 2005 to 2011. In that time frame, a little-known man named Danny Woodhead came out of his program. That is his claim to fame as of right now. Real gym rat. Real grinder. <laughs> Real lunch pill guy, Danny Woodhead. Uh-huh. Sorry. Some, may, some may call him sneaky athletic. Um, yeah. Other people who are normal might just call him actual athletic, but I digress. So after that, he went to Colorado Mesa for one year as the offensive coordinator. There's your in-state connection. What's their mascot? I don't remember. I don't remember either. Oh, my um, God. Jack, you're letting me down. I thought you knew. No, I don't. And I can't remember. I think, are they the Bears? Are they the Grizzlies? Um. Anyways, you're gonna get so after the – after that, he went to Southern Illinois, which I do know uh, they are the Salukis as the offensive line coach and as the co-OC. 
from there, he was South Dakota's offensive line coach. South Dakota, I believe, is another bear thing. The South Dakota State's a Jackrabbit. Colorado Mesa Mavericks. Okay, well, there you go. Um, and then from South Dakota, he was hired at Kent State, where he has been since 2018. Bill O'Boyle has some bona fides there. He's been an OL coach literally his entire career since 1987. He has coached offensive line. Um, and say what you want about the rest of Coach Prime staff. I do like the fact that the offensive line coach is hitting every single stereotype that people have about offensive line coaches. Um, he's a big boy. He has a giant stash. He is old. He is grizzled. And he's going to say fun old coach sayings. So, but does he have a patented blocking sled? <laughs> Has he ever made gumbo in his life? Was he so the he athletic director on Facebook Marketplace? <laughs> his free gear. After making Oh my god. Oh man, we should bring him in at some capacity. But um yeah, so that he is coming with Sean Lewis. So we have some sort of idea of the rest of the the offensive staff. Brett Bart alone is probably coming from Jackson State. He was their OC. He played wide receiver at Washington State. I would imagine that is the wide receiver's coach. He was a quarterback's coach at Jackson State, so there's some trust there with Shador Sanders. Um, I would imagine he stays on the staff. Then you got Bill O'Boyle's offensive line coach. You got Sean Lewis as OC. I'm guessing Willie Taggart is the running back's coach. And finally, a name familiar to a lot of Broncos fans, Tim Brewster is coming in at tight ends coach, which we already kind of knew. He was the tight ends coach at the Broncos in the mid-2000s, and after that was a head coach in Minnesota. A few other stops. He's a Florida recruiter. There are so, so many head coaches on this staff. Yeah, and, you know, I don't think about this a lot, but I guess here's my second token, Tab Oil mention, who also has two former head coaches on staff. But I always take that as a sign um, that, number one, people want to coach for this guy because they've run their own show and they probably know what they want the show to look like, and that means that, they're not going to coach for just anybody, which might be wishful thinking. But number two, the main thing I take away from that is that um, the coach's ego is not threatened. So I think a lot of people might hire assistant coaches and feel as if their job, you know, some people hire assistant coaches and are worried about their job. That has happened. And that has probably happened at CU. I don't, you I don't saw know the way that McIntyre and Levitt fought like cats. And that's exactly what McIntyre I was thinking. Hire was yep. threatened. And I can tell you, I don't think that it's possible for Deion Sanders to feel threatened. What did exactly. he say? Exactly. Too, too blessed to be stressed. He's too blessed to I be mean, stressed. The guy, if I was him, I would think that God had a plan for me too. <laughs> his life. The guy does nothing but win. He reminds me a lot of, of one of my other favorite people, James Cameron, where they're so incredibly audacious, but all they do is succeed and their ego is completely justified. There's mm -hmm. no way that he thinks that any of these guys are going to be a challenge to him because he's like the, the alpha of alphas. He's the Sigma He's <laughs> at the top of the pyramid of life. And so there's no way that he's going to let any former coach who got fired <laughs> come in and try to tell him what to do. Oh my God. I'm those are all value neutral statements, by the way, I don't say that like, like with any kind of like throw Dion spin on it. Like those are just facts. I know. And that, well, so I, you know, I've, we've both been on the message boards incessantly since this came out. And that's something I've seen before too, of just like, he says shit that if anyone else said it, I'd just be like, are you kidding me? If Carl Durrell tried to say half the things that Dion Sanders said in his press conference, I'd be like, what are we doing here? This is not okay. But the, just the fact that, it's Deion Sanders saying it, right? There's a there's a 
design thing or whatever that I, I learned in college of the medium is the message at times. And if Deion Sanders is your medium, like the message has weight, no matter what the message is. Like they, it, like you said, it's just, he, all he's ever done is been extremely successful and public with his success since he came on to public society. Um, so there's no way he's threatened by any other head coaches or other assistant coaches. So he can hire the best head coaches in his mind that he needs. And also like he can just do things that other people can't do because he's him. Like, you know, that's a, a popular youth saying of I'm him. Deion Sanders has been him since 1990. Like it's just, it's just who he is now. I don't know. It's just, we are in weird times, man. Weird and, and times. The crazy thing is though, is like, he, I think the great ones always do this. Like I was hearing James Cameron talk about, you know, about people saying this, that, and the other thing about this Avatar sequel that's coming out. These are the two great threads of my life. Colorado football and James Cameron movies are coming together at the same time. These guys always find a way to convince themselves that people are are like doubting them and that mm-hmm. nobody believes in them but them. And that just makes them stronger. And at that press conference... I got a really amazing vibe from him that he's not going to stop until he wins here and wins big, if nothing else, than just to prove it to everybody that he is that good, that he can turn even the Colorado Buffaloes football program into a winner. Um, I don't think he would leave after a five and seven season. I at least sure as hell hope. Oh God, please. Um, I hope we don't have a five and seven season. I hope we win six games next year. That's my goal. So I hope we win six. Just round up the rest of the stuff that happened today. Um, to your point about hoping we win six, you need players to do that. There are a lot of players that Colorado does not currently have that Travis Hunter need to be here to happen. That's one of them. When we're talking about athletes in space, if we look up a certain Travis Hunter, who's a two-way player, that is and the, I told you a couple days ago, oh, man, you know, if Dion gets hired, that's great. But Travis Hunter's not coming here. There's no goddamn way. Well, <laughs> on second thought, I may have been a little premature. I can't on, believe on, on second thought, every single recruiting expert saying, oh, yeah, Travis Hunter's, yeah, it's a foregone conclusion. So, hey, I'll take it. Um, yeah, so so the other part of this is players. When we talked, Chase and Jake and I talked yesterday, we tried to go through the schedule and we're like, we don't even know who's here, so it's really hard. We have a little bit of a, a, a thought about who's here. We know, at least based off of yesterday's comments, it's not going to be a lot of the current players. Um, and we know it has been shocking, terrifying, elating to see the amount of former five stars, wherever they are in the transfer portal, literally beg our coach to look at them. Like that is, I, I'm not used to it. I will not be used to it for a while, but. Um, it's an un- Heard of concept of modern <laughs> college football. And I remember somebody telling, you know, back in the day, players used to go, wow, I can't believe I'm going to get to play for Bo Schembechler or, or Woody yeah. Hayes or, or Bear Bryant. Like, my God, I'm so lucky. Yeah. And these days, I'm still quoting, all these kids just <laughs> want to be coddled and given gifts and impressed and sweet-talked. And he might be the only one except for, like, Saban and Dabo and like, I guess Kirby Smart's probably there now. Yes. Yeah. Where people are just like falling over themselves to play for him. Quote, I've never <laughs> seen anything like it in regards to how many people are trying to go play for him. Yep. Another in here, man. How did other people pass on this guy? I mean, racism. Well, you know, hey, I didn't, I didn't. I have a bit of a cough and sometimes. 
I don't forget, it's a weird to, symptom. I forget to press the cough button. I forgot about the, uh, yeah, th- that COVID variant. I forgot there's the, uh, the true telling cough part. Um, so yeah, I, and you know, other real quotes that we've heard from literally like Trey Sanders, former number six recruit in the country, literally adding CU football at Deion Sanders. Got room for me, Unc? I emoji. And it's like, what the hell are we doing? What? Okay. Yes, when I guess. Ber- when is Bernie Sanders coming to Boulder? <laughs> at this rate? He's, he's okay. already been, but uh, he will hopefully come again. Yeah. And like Damon DeMoss, another five star from AM saying, you know, I always want to live in Colorado. I emoji. It's like, what? Just the, the transfer portal officially opened today. It is open until January 19th. That period of time, Colorado fans, is going to be absolutely insane. Absolutely insane. So that is where the team's going to come from. And when we say we don't know what the team is, that's where the team's going to come from, is those that month. Because <laughs> that's a lot. And we are going to be in high demand. I do just want to say one thing, because one of my post-nut clarity thoughts this morning was, man, whenever he leaves, he's taking the team with him. Uh-huh. His best players are going to go with him. Uh-huh. But he has done more to elevate the stature of the University of Colorado football program in the last 48 hours than anybody since Bill McCartney. Mm -hmm. He has already made this seem like a place that is nice, Mm -hmm. a place that somebody with no ties here would want to go. It seems like already there's people walking back there. I don't think you should come there statements like Feinbaum. Yes, Feinbaum did. He has already changed the perception of this place from like, what do they have a football program? People like Fornelli, whose job it is to cover the sport, not knowing we have good facilities. And I like Fornelli, but I also like Fornelli, but that was shocking. Everybody knows how goddamn good our facilities are. Like when this guy is gone, the odds of being able to have whatever kind of Iowa like program I've always wanted for us, where we go eight and four every year are exponentially higher than they were. So no, it ain't <laughs> like this again after he's gone. But I think we stand a much better chance of at least being a competent football program now that he has blessed us with his presence. And I do mean blessed from whatever gods you choose to believe in. I believe in the gods. <laughs> they gave us a fifth down and they gave us him. Beyond ex machina. Um, yeah, I just... It is it is truly transformational. I was, I don't know if a hater is the right word, but at the start of this process, Chase and I immediately threw out Deion Sanders is just like, no way. He's, number one, no way he's coming here. Number two, no way it would work. Because if we remember at the start of this pro- process, literally everything said transfer p- rules are still in place and are still an absolute like bear for CU to deal Billy with. Billy D going up there and stinking up the joint, looking like the most out of touch person ever. And I think that was what spurred so many people to write angry emails and actually get this fixed. Yep. So they've unwittingly actually undone his own, his own, doing, he hoisted yes. his own petard there. I don't know what the metaphor you want to use is. Sorry, keep going. So at that point, I just threw him like no shot. No, number one, no shot. He comes number one, no shot. It works. Number three, no shot that the Boulder brass will accept it. And little by little, like you mentioned, either through their own mess ups or how rock bottom the season got or how, how I guess even separate of that, how Todd Solomon has just apparently been a normal guy leader who's like, yeah, I'll help you people who are asking for my help. And like, that's all it is. And like, apparently that's all it took. And now suddenly we're here at the end of this process 
with money to spend, with fan base that is excited, with a coach that apparently, at least for now, wants to be here, with transfer rules that no longer hinder the success of the football program, with recruits banging down the door. And how many times, I mean, we've heard it a million times, right? Bill McCartney's line, if you can get him to Boulder, you can get him to sign, right? If you can get him to Boulder, you can get him to sign. And a lot of times it felt like the CU football program was basically just saying, all right, we'll let Boulder sell itself. We'll see what happens. And now that we have a guy to sell Boulder for it, and you, I mean, I don't know, he might be able to just fake really well, but you could tell facilities tour, you could tell talking to the team, you could tell in the press conference. I don't know if he was ready for how night, like, I don't think he was ready for Boulder. Like, you know, I don't think Deion Sanders can sell goddamn Boulder. He, he loudly complained about how cold it was inside the they're gonna have to turn all the thermostats up yeah uh because he complained about how cold it was inside and outside like he's not hiding that or saying it's not bothering me like i think for him those facilities are nicer probably than what he had in the nfl back in the 90s i think that those facilities are much nicer than than any high school he would have coached at i think he was legitimately impressed i don't think that was a performance um and i also think yeah i mean he mentioned there being no crime in boulder uh in uh do we have remember the last coach that used that in a recruiting pitch i think i do i think i remember the last cu coach that said that i don't know I, so who was it i don't I, know I, yeah oh you don't remember oh sorry i thought you said you did remember well i do remember it's bill McCart- I, bill mccartney oh, said Mac- that a okay. lot well yeah. there was some crime he, he brought some with him actually but um we won't get into the whole boulder pd versus cu football thing that rick riley tried to stir up back in the 80s but i think that dion is actually going to run a tighter ship than than coach mac did in a lot of ways he's, I think a, he's way, a bigger disciplinarian absolutely. yeah i think the way that, that he did, I, I don't think there's gonna be any kind of a problem with that there's gonna be a lot of culture shock for the people that come here but i hope that they like boulder and i hope the people of boulder are welcoming and not fucking weird because there's a lot of people that are going to bend over backwards to try to be nice but they're just going to be fucking weird and cringy <laughs> and i'm just waiting to see who really embarrasses themselves the most but i hope that the people who come uh, enjoy what we have to offer in Boulder, Colorado. And uh, I hope that uh, Coach Prime does as well, because um, he's right. It's virtually very low crime city. And he's coming from a city that definitely uh, is not. And I think there's no accident that he mentioned that. I mean, we act like we, our only competition was these other schools, but him staying there at Jackson State seemed to almost be like it was a foregone conclusion that it wasn't going to happen after this year. There were people on HBCU uh, game day talking about how it didn't really seem like they were laying out a full court press to keep them. And I think it was just time for him to move on. And that's all I'm going to say about that. Yeah. You know, um, I guess I'll, I'll wrap up here too. I'm just, uh, it has been a crazy 72 hours. I've literally been glued to a screen and that whole time I cannot refresh fast enough and it seems like information is coming fast enough where i'm getting new stuff every time i do it um he moves fast and he moves decisively and uh, by he i mean coach Prime. and that is he's like a shark he's like an apex, <laughs> he's like an apex predator he um yeah i don't know he i there's a lot of stuff going on. I think almost all of it is completely positive. Um, and it's just, we're in a situation where that I did not expect to ever happen to see you, let alone right after probably the most depressing seasons in CU history. I, I would say, yeah, whatever. So like, 
it's just incredible the about phase. I can only say it so many ways. Please read Dion X Machina for the best way to say it. Um, really incredible work once again at DMVR. Um, and I don't know, man. It just feels like uh, <laughs> and to paraphrase many other CU CU uh, fans. Here come the assholes. It is our time. It just feels yeah, like I'm it is have, our time. I'm gonna have. I'm gonna be there November 9th. Uh, September 9th. I can't even speak. I'm so excited. I'm going to be there September 9th uh, with double birds up, uh, drunk off my ass, trying not to get kicked out of the stadium. I think there might actually, if game day comes, I think there may actually be like like football hooliganism, like, like England in the 80s between CU fans and Nebraska fans. We are not scared anymore. And uh, look out. That's all I got to say. Look out. Well, Ted, thank you for joining. I appreciate it. <laughs> Jack, you're too nice. You're too nice. You're, you're never, never going to get in a fight at a stadium. I hope I do. <laughs> I, I, will threw not. Hand, I threw a hand warmer at a Utah fan in 2018 because he was in the student section being obnoxious. Nice. Um, so I don't like my odds. Um, that's one of the reasons I didn't go in, in, in 2019, actually, was I thought that I might I might get, get too angry at somebody and, and, and get kicked out. But I'm not missing that for the world. I don't care what it costs. I don't care. I'm trying to get season tickets to fly out from Los Angeles three or four times and then give them to friends the rest of the time. I don't care. But if I can't go, if I can't get season tickets, I'm going to go. I will be there for both the Nebraska CSU and USC games next year. And I thought there would be no juice, no juice in those two rivalry games. I was dreading them. And now I can hardly even count the days fast enough. I'm just like, I listened to ball to the wall by accept today. as like one of my pump up songs, just reading forums got me that excited fuck yeah that's we all coming. i got back. we're back motherfuckers you we're coming we coming all right buzz buzz